In today's fast-changing work environment, how do we adapt to the change that's happening around us? And what role can and should HR play in leading and facilitating change in the workplace? I'm Hamish Coots. You're listening to Talent Talks, brought to you by SEEK. And welcome back to Talent Talks. We are again live from RE 2018. It's my great privilege now to be joined by Monica Watt and also Bob Barber. Bob, just touch on the idea of an adaptive culture. What is it and why is it so important? Oh, well, I think at the end of the day, culture is the thing that really makes or breaks a company. Yep. So uh, strategy is really important, of course, but how well that strategy is executed and delivered will depend entirely on the behaviours in your organisation. And I think for most organisations, you start with the end in mind, which is, you know, marketplace success and how do we build that? And you get back through to the right kind of behaviours. And those behaviours have got to be one where you're really listening very well to the outside world, as Monica's talked about. You've got to bring into the company the external perspectives from stakeholders, all stakeholders actually, not just customers, yes. but consumers, suppliers, government, broader community. Big bodies, and such you, as Ari. Yeah, absolutely. You've got to make sure then that you move fast with that as well. That's yeah. what adaptive culture is about. I think it's one in which you listen really well, pick up fast, pick up weak signals and make them big fast, and then move fast as well. And the best way that uh, a company can build an adaptive culture then is one where you really create an environment where the truth can be heard, so people are encouraged to say what they think, and others are encouraged to listen. Yes. And so I think a set of behaviours that encourages that are basically positive or constructive behaviours. That's what an adaptive culture is about. And if you don't have an adaptive culture, then with all the best will in the world, individuals labouring away to build their own adaptive capacities, individuals are less likely to succeed yeah. if they've not got that supportive environment of everybody in the organisation is trying to do. Mm. Yeah, look, I think leaning into that a little bit is, it comes down to a, having that growth mindset. I know we've all, you know, Carol S. Dweck's, you know, the growth mindset. You know, having a growth mindset that you're actually going to evangelise what does that need, what do you need to be doing, but it's also very much leaning into Bob in, in what he was saying that having that sincerity, having a safe space mm. to be able to communicate, to actually take risks and the fact that a problem is everybody's problem, it's not a silo, it's not a finger yep. point, it's actually saying what do we need to achieve and that there is no one layer inside the business that has the answer. It means every layer and everybody has an opportunity to work and build and better and those ideas can come from the, the, the floor or from the ceiling, it really makes no difference. As long as there's a meeting in the middle to be able to say how we're going to do the best and be the best possible people that we are, as well as a business, as well as resp that's responsive and socially responsible, then I think we'll, we will definitely have an adaptive culture. Very much so. There's three elements, uh, just to build on that, I think to uh, get a high level of adaptive intelligence, which is a, which is a term we've uh, put together at Stagira. First is, you need to have the insight that you need to change. Mostly companies do quite well on that and you get it through 60 degree feedback and you get it rationally, it's a bit like IQ. Secondly, you've got to have a real desire to want to change and it's not a should or must, I really want to because it's attractive to me. So companies can help people get there as well, yeah. often through coaching support. But it's interesting, there was a study in the US not long ago that said uh, of people with heart problems, who were told by their doctors that they had to stop doing things in order to live. So that was the uh, goal. And they had to do things like eat less, diet better, mm. exercise more. Only one in seven could actually do it. So that's astonishing. When you think of that's the kind of change you'd think I'd get it rationally and yeah. I'd get it from an you know, emotional self-awareness point of view, but they still don't do it. 
So why is that? And I think part of the answer is they actually still see it as a threat that they need to lose something in order to get right. there. Yeah. And they don't have this final element I'd call adaptive intelligence, which is exactly what you've just been talking about, Monica, the ability to actually develop your mental complexity, your frame of the world. So to be able to think about things differently and move what often operates at a subconscious level up to conscious. So be aware of what are my big assumptions. So with yeah. perfectionists, for example, I'm a bit of a perfectionist. Yeah. Then I know that uh, the key thing that's my big assumption is trust, funnily yeah. enough. Yeah. So I don't trust other people enough. <clears throat> you know, and initially I used to say, well, I need to be a perfectionist because that's how I've got to where I am today. You know, yeah. it's been really a successful strategy. Rather than, yeah, I've got there despite what I did and actually the core thing when you keep probing that really was holding me back was I didn't trust people right. I mean you get that oh sick feeling in your stomach because <laughs> it's not nice to think you don't trust people <laughs> you know you've hit on the big assumption <laughs> and that ability to, to really fundamentally challenge the way you think about things and open yourself up to different perspectives that takes a lot of courage and resilience and that's yeah. the growth mindset Monica's talking about I yeah think. absolutely look uh, it's funny you, you're talking about that you know, the, you know, building that trust. Whereas I have rose-coloured glasses, and I trust everybody from the get-go. There'll be, you know, they've always got that. And I, Pollyanna am, optimist type. Always, uh, yeah. you know. So I'll always believe the best, hope for the best, act for the best, everything along those lines. Whereas I've actually had to have the counter in saying, <laughs> "Okay, Monica, you actually need to let's look at the realistic per- perspective here. Are you are you willing this person, or w- are you willing this situation? Are you are you not realising something that is actually occurring that you could deal with?" So I think if you were to put Bob and I together, yes. we'd actually have a perfect, perfect, yeah. perfect person in general. And that's often, each other. That's often yeah. how you do tackle the problem. You put teams of people yes. together. Work well together. Hence, we're That's here right. together, together talking. talking. Yeah. See, isn't it funny? We, we might have started a remarkable work relationship. <laughs> yes, we, never know. we might do. <laughs> you, you did also touch upon um, talking to people, getting feedback, and, and this has been a common sort of theme that's come up. And I just wanted to touch on that a little bit today because, yes, organisations are quite good at getting feedback from people, but does that need to change as well? The twice yearly surveys, um, oh, you know, the more yes. traditional ways of getting it. Do you guys have a thought or opinion on? on, on do we need to be smarter and more consistent with that? It needs to be in real time. Yeah. Um, feedback needs, as I said, needs to be two-way, ongoing and frictionless. Right? Yeah. There has to be safe spaces and opportunities for that communication to occur. And really, it's not constructive. You can, yeah, you can do your pulse surveys, you can do your engagement surveys, you can do your sustainability, you can do all of those surveys. But what you actually want, you want the water cooler chats. Yep. You want to actually go in... And instead of even talking, you actually want to step back and actually have a look at what's happening and then saying, okay, I'm hearing this. Is the walk matching the talk? Yeah. And if not, it's actually going and saying, tell me what's happening with you at the moment. Yeah. So to me, it's in real time. It's, it's, not, at, it's not at a point in time. It's always over a period of time. You want to encourage people to give you feedback all the time. Yeah. So I think that's the... No, there's this big concept Bob Keegan talks about, the uh, adult development theorist from Harvard... I bet everybody's managing the second job, doing their second job, which is managing their impressions on everybody. And we put an enormous amount of time and effort, and what a waste. Of, yeah. What a waste of money and a waste of time doing all that. Whereas we just created an environment where everybody felt like they could give feedback to people constructively yes. when it was needed, and that people would listen, then that would be a much better place from a development point of view. The key yeah. part there that you said listen Mm. you know i think the amount of organizations or people 
uh, are constantly telling their organisations, constantly, constantly telling organisations, and the organisations say, thank you, thank yes. you, thank you, and then they file it. They've actually got to do something with it. And it, every small little piece of change can have a global impact. So, but it's, it's acting on that feedback. It's acting and it's actually responding to the feedback. You might not be able to do anything with it. You yeah. might not be in a position to do it, but you need to acknowledge that feedback. You also need the courage to give it in the first oh place. Gosh, yeah, don't so you in HR, directors particularly have to give feedback to the CEO. Constantly. So, you know, I've had to do that plenty of times in my previous roles. That can take a bit of courage, I've got yeah, to tell you. It can take a lot of courage, yeah. I think. But um, it's amazing. You often uh, fall into thinking traps around how the CEO is going to react. So I yes. remember the first one that I did, I spent a couple of days putting the feedback together because he was quite a strong CEO in terms yes. of personality. And it was my first job yeah. as an HR director at that kind of level. I put it all together. I gradually took him through it, did it as constructively as I could. I thought, I'm going to get fired now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You've put a lot of time into this, Bob. <laughs> Thank you very much. And can I have another chance at doing this again? Because he'd done something or another in a, right, in a yeah. workshop that I didn't quite write. To, it worked. So that gave me, he was good then. He was really encouraging me to carry on giving him feedback. But often you, you're, you know, generalizing, personalizing, yes. you're mind reading. Yeah. I do all of those things all the time. Catastrophizing. Catastrophizing, oh, yes. Don't we Think the worst. Yeah. Ruminating. Just, yeah. just go and talk to somebody and no, they're not thinking all those things. Yeah. <laughs> but you. You've actually said something really critical there that I think many of us actually miss. We take from the business. Our CEOs need to hear from us. So remembering, in particular as a HRD, we're the mirror to the business. And so we're able to tell them what they're not seeing and what they're not hearing and what they're not demonstrating. But it's to do it respectfully, carefully and considerately about them. But also, I remember being in the lift with, with, with one of my CEOs and I had one side of the lift and I'm on the other side of the lift and I said, I just need to tell you, I'm really proud of you. And their response was, thanks, Mum. And I said, I'm really proud of how you've actually embraced this and what you're doing. Yeah. And it was tongue-in-cheek on the first, first cuff, yes, thanks, Mum. But afterwards it was, thank you, nobody's ever given me that feedback. Mm. Nobody's, nobody has said that to me. People... My, my current CEO, a fabulous man, has always asked of me and said, I don't need a yes person. Yeah. I need you to tell me what it is that we need to be doing. And that does, as Bob has said, it does take courage because remember, their hearts are on their sleeve. They're wedded to this business and their businesses in what they're doing. And nobody gets up, no CEO gets up in the morning like any other person and thinks, what damage can I do today? Yeah. And it's a lonely job. Yeah, yeah. yeah about nobody else they haven't really got a leader above them you know the chairman of the board might be nominally but not really yes. yes so they haven't got anybody giving them the feedback that they really need so it does I think fall to the HR yes. yeah. director to do that and, and consistency of giving feedback as well I, I think the more that you obviously go and do it mm-hmm. the more that that sort of talks to your adaptive culture and comes in and, and obviously you know that's something that must be critically important as well um, if you use the CEO example I imagine if you gave a piece of feedback once every 12 months um, it would be much easier to give it every four weeks etc. And, and if they know if they really believe you're doing it because you care about yeah. them and you're not doing it to poke them in the eye with a sharp stick yeah. you know, so you genuinely yeah. are trying to help them here then that really helps and do it frequently I think that's right. Yes. Yeah. So if you go like I used to go around on road shows with them I'd do it after each presentation they did. You did yeah. this really well, it's great, yeah. you can do a bit less of this, a bit more of this. Yeah. And they and just get, get used to it. And we get the same thing, you know, I get messages, you know, that says that's great, this, this, that and the other. 
We are people that, in general, that are connected, yes. and reward and recognition is critical, and that can sustain us as, as human beings. Yeah. And it doesn't matter what level of the business, the more that you, you've got, and it comes from that constructive side or with heart, remembering we always need to start with heart. Yeah. And if you're starting with heart, then the intention is going to be right all the way through. And then people are more receptive to come and say, Bob, you know, what's your take on this? You know, uh, you know, um, Hamish, what do you think? Yeah. You know, and there are then they're seeking from it because they're they're actually much more constructive and they're open then because they know that you're caring about them. We come back to trust again, don't we? I know. Yep. Trust, is, a, trust uh, is quite a foundation. Yeah, and it includes trusting yourself. Oh, yeah, that's the key thing. Because often we don't. Bob Barber was the long-time People and Culture Director at Lion and is now a leadership consultant focused on helping leaders develop an adaptive capacity. He joined me at the 2018 ARA Convention alongside General Manager of HR Administration at Elmo, Monica Watts, following her session on the topic of positioning HR as a disruptor. We talk about times of disruption, massive change, um, you know, the, the, the busy lives. That we, for HR practitioners, a lot of them will be listening to this. Yes. Um, if you were to impart advice, wisdom, um, how can they actually really step up in their roles now to support the people and the business itself? I think they should be a chief disruptor themselves. <laughs> and I think I yeah. like the bit from uh, the Ulrich Mordor where he talks about Paradox Navigate. I liked his earlier version, which is pr- Paradox Protagonist. Protagonist. <laughs> Because I think, you know, if I think about the role I played in Lion, it was probably chief disruptor is what a lot of people on the group leadership team would say. So bringing challenge in a lot of things. Yeah. So a big part of what I would advise HR leaders to do is bring the outside in, make sure you're providing challenge. When you see something's wrong, don't let it go past. The whole thing about, you know, the standard you walk past is a yes. problem. Yeah. So I was thinking when you're talking about values, and I absolutely agree with that. There's a big trap on values as well that I've observed, and anybody who's been following the Royal Commission will observe it as well. A big part of HR's job is to make sure that if the company does say it is, for example, customer-orientated yeah. and a high integrity, yeah. that actually it is. Yeah. Because when you put it in your annual report, then all the investors have already valued that, thank you very much, and written it up. And the way uh, analysts and investors work is if you surprise them or shock them, and they think everything's in good condition from a culture point of view and from the point of view of trust and customer orientation. And all of a sudden, it turns out you've been charging people who are dead and yeah. you're not actually you're putting things in kids' bank accounts just to help incentive payments. Yep. That's a big problem. So don't shy away from really hard, tough questions. You know, call it and make sure you hold everybody to be yeah. honest to that standard around yep. values. So I think if I was to say what would a HR practitioner be doing? It's actually doing. It literally is doing. Bob's highlighted, bring the outside in. Start small. Find small ways to for improvement. Engage your people and improve. Uh, don't be afraid to walk away or switch things off if it's not going well. Don't flog a dead horse, really. Yeah. If you're going to use technology, use it wisely. Start small, educate your people in how they need to be using because it needs to be giving them back time. Communicate about what is coming or what you think is coming Mm. and then help them to prepare for it. But the other part is get other people working with you. You don't do this on your own. There are so many champions across all layers of your business that have got ideas, thoughts, processes, practices and can actually get in 
they will tell you whether it's working or whether it's not. Yeah. But never, never launch something that is um, that they're doing on their own. Freight <laughs> train rolling through yeah. the studio here. That they that you you're doing on your own. Yeah. It really is. Start small, do some small things, but always constantly move and be looking to improve and engage. Yeah. Because I think I, I would add to that. You've got to always build what you're doing in HR back to business results. Always. Connect it to the external world. Connect it to marketplace success. So, you know, one of the big things that amazes me is hardly any companies in the top 100 are actually actively measuring and managing culture, managing and managing all kinds of other things, engagement, mm. workplace, great workplace. They're all important, but hardly any are doing culture. Why? Oh, it's very expensive to do a big culture survey. It's very complex. Well, if we look at some of those companies that appeared in the Royal Commission recently, had they spent $5 million, which had been a vast amount of money on culture management, they would have saved $800 million of their re- impact on profit and several billion dollars worth of market cap. It's not hard to make a business case pretty quickly on that. Outside of the, the Royal Commission and those cases that you sort of pointed out where, where, comp- where you would hope that if they had the time back again they would do that, do you think more companies will actually invest in measuring the culture? Do, do you think, Or do you think it's almost they're going to have to fall over themselves somewhat and learn a harsh lesson? If I was, I'd actually say the latter. Yeah. Yes. What it is, there's, they've got the best of intention. Yeah. I know the HRD managers, the, the particular, they do want to know. And I always talk to my lot and say, if you're going to ask a question, be prepared to get the answer. And if you're going to ask the question, be prepared to do something with it. That's the hardest part. I think the intention is there. Mm. It's hard to do something with that information yeah. um, and do it the right way. So if, yes, they're going to do more and more of it, but I think it will be smaller pieces that they okay. can actually, in bite-sized pieces, yep. continuous and often, rather than en masse, a large, you know, a large 30, 40, 50 question yes. survey yeah. uh, that is quite pointless. Yeah. I, I think um, a couple of things. I think, firstly, we need to find better ways of measuring culture. So we've got to be using technology to make it simpler, frictionless, fast, more frequent. It's just... To get a really statistically robust measure now, you've got to actually have about 100 questions. Yeah. really hard. And that takes a lot of time. It takes a long time. I think, um, though, if they don't measure culture, then mm. they'll be condemned forever to uh, repeat the mistakes of the past. Yeah. So a lot of these companies use proxies for culture, which is, you know, outcomes like engagement is one outcome yeah. of a great culture. It's not the only outcome of a great culture. Also, creating a climate where the truth can be heard, you know, doing the right thing for the long term or some other quite important, yeah, I'd sure. suggest as well. Um, but if you just rely on those proxies, you're not getting to the fundamental underlying uh, issues in the business. And if you don't measure culture, then you're doomed to failure. Yes. Yes, I'd agree completely. But it's got to be made easier. That was Elmo's General Manager of HR, Monica Watts, and Leadership Consultant, Bob Barber. To hear more talent talks, head to insightsresources.seek.com.au. I'm Hamish Coots. When you're filling a role, you want to see the best candidates and find the right one fast. With 11 million Seek profiles, we make sure only the most relevant see your ad. To fill your role faster, visit Seek today.